You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. We'll read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Grass withers, flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Is this one still on? Okay, I'm just a little, I'm real noisy. There we go. All right. Uh, So when I woke up Thursday morning, I immediately smiled. it had been, and if you're not familiar with all the, the drama of church stuff, whatever, I don't, won't dwell on it much. But it had been a tough evening before that at board meeting. And uh, it, was, it was sad for me. Just, I don't think it's a surprise if you know me, you know what's going on. Uh, never drawn a better crowd than when people want to vote against something, I guess. I was surprised. But I woke up Thursday morning and I smiled. And... You know, it wasn't that I had great sleep. It wasn't that I didn't have bothersome dreams even. But I'd spent the first three days of the week trying to prepare for, you know, board meeting, having conversations with various uh, people, not on the board meeting stuff, but just other conversations. And when I woke up Thursday morning, I thought it's time to start thinking about the sermon on Sunday. And I remembered the text. I remembered what text it was. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. The grass withers, the flower fades, and the word of our God stands forever. And I smiled. I thought, boy, it's, God is a good God. And I don't, I don't want to make too much out of providential circumstances, but, you know, we're, we're 20 weeks into 1 Peter, <laughs> which I never thought I would take me 20 weeks to get through the first chapter of 1 Peter. I mean, it's, it's a little laughable. And there would be times along the way that I'd get to the next text and I'd think, I got to speed this thing up. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out, like, what is taking so long to just get a flow of thought and get through this? And I'm not going to make too much of this, but it's happened too many times that somehow providentially after some event, after the next thing, the next text is just perfect for my own soul. Whether it is for yours this morning or not, I don't know. It's God's grace upon me. I remember when Darla was diagnosed uh, with cancer and we had to take two weeks off. That first week back was the Magnificat, uh, Mary's song of praise to her God. That, and, and Mary sings 
at the end, um, she sings, now I can't think of the line because there's a song that goes that way. Um, he who is mighty has done a great thing. <laughs> God's good. Oftentimes, he has arranged just the right text to deal with. And so remember what, what's going on in the context of this letter of 1 Peter. Uh, this, this church and the dispersion, they're scattered throughout these regions, the uh, elect exiles, they are God's chosen people. And Peter is writing to them, but there's, there's persecution going on for the church. Um, it turns out that if you seek to live your life in service to Jesus, not everyone is going to celebrate that with you. And I would have said that regardless. That's just the truth that comes from Scripture. If you seek to live your life to honor Jesus, not everyone's going to celebrate that. There are going to be people who don't want you to celebrate or to live your life to honor Jesus. They might lie about you. They might slander about you. I mean, jump with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 8 in chapter 3 of, of 1 Peter. This is just a description of what's going on in the life of the church here. It says, finally, all of you, speaking to the church, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For, quotes a psalm here, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I think he's quoting Psalm 34 there. Verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? He said, we just, with God of angel armies, who shall I fear? He's saying, who's there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? Does he mean these, they won't be harmed? No, that's, that's not what he means. Because he goes on verse 14. But even if you should suffer... For righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. It's clear that the people in this church that Jesus is writing to are undergoing difficulty from those around them and that the suffering is caused by the desire, the suffering that's caused to them is by their desire to do God's will. They want to do good. They want to honor Christ. They want to honor him. And the suffering is coming from the voices around them because they are seeking to do good. Life is not all roses and smooth seas. And I don't think this is a shock to any of you. It's not news. This question, though, is not, since we know this, the question is not will we experience rough seas, but what will we be anchored to when the rough seas come? Where will we put our anchor? Where will our anchor hold? 
And this is what Peter is going through with his readers at this point in this letter. He's talking about, remember the whole first chapter has been this exaltation of joy in this this incredible inheritance that the believer in Jesus has in him. That's why we've titled the series, why I've titled the series, Treasuring Christ in Every Trial. He's highlighting this incredible worth of Christ. And then if you have Jesus Trials can abound and come your way. Things cannot go your way and you have not lost. There's no harm that can actually be done to you because you have Jesus treasuring Christ in every trial. Where can this church be grounded? Where is a sufficient enough anchor to keep the follower of Christ safe and satisfied? Not just safe, but safe and also satisfied through the present and coming trials of their lives. And his answer is in the fellowship of the saints and the gospel that has brought them together. Not just community. Community is important. It's good to have friends and it's good to have those around you. But Peter is anchoring their hope, putting, encouraging them to put their anchor, not just in community, but in Christian community. These people who have been brought together by the imperishable word of God said last week, this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Isaiah 40 is this great turning point in the book of Isaiah. This is is a freebie. This is not a... Isaiah has 66 chapters. This is the way I always remember it. Isaiah has 66 chapters. There's 66 books of the Bible. 39 of the Old Testament. And chapter 40 comes along and it's the declaration of John the Baptist. It's the foreshadowing of John the Baptist and Jesus showing up. Like Isaiah is just perfectly divided. So you get to Isaiah 40. It's like the gospel comes to life. Comfort my people. Comfort my people. Comfort Jerusalem. And then he's encouraging them there in Isaiah that through through all, the, all that passes on in this life and all that will pass away in this life, the promises of God will not. The grass will wither, the flower fade. Surely our flesh is like grass, but the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Who God is and what his word is, it will stay true. God will remain true to his word. His promises are sure. And so you can imagine then how Peter wants this quotation to hit these followers. They're in the midst of their trials. He wants them to remember that the same gospel that saved them is the gospel that will carry them all the way through. The same gospel that saved them is the gospel that will carry them. The same gospel that saves you is the gospel That will carry you. And I say the gospel because you look at verse 25 and Peter goes on. He says, this word, when I say week after week after week, I looked it up because I wanted to make sure I said this right. I didn't say it like the first two or three weeks I was here. So I haven't said it every Sunday I've preached. So I'm kind of disappointed in that. But about the third weekend, meta-narrative number three, I say the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. But that when I say that, Peter brings that into a New Testament application and he says this word is the good news, the euangelion, the gospel. This word is the gospel that was preached to you, this good news. They have heard this message. Jesus lived the righteous life every one of us should have lived and every one of us failed to do. Jesus died the death that, every, that sinners deserve so that everyone... 
No exclusion to this call. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Anyone turning from their sin, admitting their humility before God, admitting that before Him they are nothing, and looking to Jesus and what He has provided can be saved. This is the gospel. This is the good news that was preached to you. The call for the church to live righteous lives, to love one another earnestly, is grounded upon the incredible reality of the permanence of God and His promises, God and His eternal word his gospel. There's a lot of application from this text this morning. It's the reason why I smiled when I thought of it. And there's a, there's a couple of assurances I want to highlight. A couple of, of applications I want to highlight. And the first is that this, this truth, this promise, that the grass withers and the flower fades and the word of our God stands forever, ever, is a great comfort and assurance. I'm not seeking to be offensive to those who um, aren't, aren't super supportive, but I also want to also encourage those who maybe are supportive. So don't, don't just immediately take offense. But there are those in the congregation that are troubled and heartbroken over what has transpired in my relationship with this church. It seems to some that, that many good things are happening and many of us are enjoying growing together and seeking Christ together. And to some, it seems incredible that, that there are those who would want to put that to an end. But there, there, are, there are those. There are. They are there. And I can't guarantee that there won't, they won't succeed at stopping, at stopping what's going on here. But, and, and I'll be saddened by that. But listen, you cannot stop God's work. No one can. No one can. People can protest all they want. We can spin any narrative we want. But we can't stop God and his purposes. God has promised, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, that he will build his church and he is doing that. But he didn't promise he would do it in some specific place. He didn't say, he did not promise he would build necessarily this specific local church. I would have said that all along. I think I've been saying that all the time I've been here. God is not concerned with this specific building so much as he is building his church. The church of Jesus Christ is going to go forward. God will be glorified. And if it doesn't happen here, that will make me sad. If my ministry ends here, it will be sad. But listen to me. Do not anchor your hope, please. Do not anchor your hope in something in this life going a certain way. Don't anchor your hope in life going this way, that way, whatever way. Do not anchor your hope in anything in this life going some certain way. If we determine that we must have some certain kind of flower, an always green grass, we will be disappointed. And actually, it'll be God's mercy to have that exposed, that idolatry exposed, because he wants you to anchor your hope in something far greater than some result that you might get in this life. He wants you to anchor your hope in something far greater. God is at work. He is building his church. And we ought not to demand that he do it exactly the way that we want him to. We are called to trust him. We are called to trust him. We can certainly ask and plead for him with him for it to go a certain way. But at the end of the day, we must trust that his way is best, even if we cannot clearly see it. First Peter 
1, 24 and 25 is a comfort and true security for us. We are the grass withering. We are the flower fading. We all, I know this is, this is, this is some of Darren's downer stuff, we all will dry up and blow away. We've come from dust, we will return to dust. We ought not to demand everything goes our way. We will dry up and blow away, but there is something that will last. It's God and his word. And what we need to live for is not the dustlings, we are dustlings, that the dust gets its way. <laughs> we better anchor ourselves that God gets his way, that God is honored, that God is glorified. Darla, when she was going through, uh, I don't know if it was the first treatment or resulting surgeries over the past five years. One of the times that going through a, a health issue had a, a, a banner printed up. It hangs in our hallway. It's a quote from Corey Ten Boom. And it says that when the train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away your ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. And when things don't go, when it gets darker than you think it should go, when, it, when things don't go your way, when you, when you want certain things to happen and they don't go, you sit still and you trust the engineer. Because the grass withers, the flower fades, tunnels get dark and they brighten back up. Or they stay dark forever, I don't know. Maybe it's an underground passage. But the engineer knows what he's doing. Word of our God stands forever. And he will accomplish his purposes. So it's a comfort to know that the grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of our God stands forever. It's also a battle cry. It's also a battle cry. Because there is something worth giving your life for. There are eternal promises. The gospel is good news that will be rejoiced in throughout eternity. We've been in adult Sunday school, or the progressive couple Sunday school has been going through Revelation, the book of Revelation, the worship scenes in the book of Revelation. And at that final day of the, the, the crowd of nations gathered around the, 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 the scene of the, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, worshiping, worshiping Jesus. There is something worth living for. God's words are worth staking your life upon because his words do not fail. The, that phrase, uh, grass withers, flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. That actually was, um, it was, back, you may not know this, but way back it was one of the battle cries in the Protestant Reformation. When I first got hired on here, I made up business cards. They said uh, VDMA, and a little cross signal had a V, and then a D, and then an M, and then an A. And uh, some people thought that was like I was now a doctor or something. It's like, that's my, no, it wasn't any credentials. Uh, it was simply, it was, a, it was a standard that was put on flags. It was put on patches of their, of their uniforms as a reminder that what they were serving, that what they were fighting for was this eternal word of God that their mission could not fail as they sought to lift high the name of Jesus Christ. It's Latin for verbum domine manet in eternum. Verbum domini, there it is, manet in eternum. It's Latin, V-D-M-A. The verbum, the words, verbs of domini of God, manet in eternum. You can see eternity. The word of God lives forever. God will not fail in his purposes. I have made this a standard in my ministry among you. Because I want you to be confident in one thing. Not me. 
I don't, not me. Don't align yourself to anyone here on this earth. I want you to align yourself with one thing. Not me, not yourself. <laughs> I don't align. I'm not aligned primarily with Darren, his wishes. I don't want you to be aligned with me. I don't want you to be aligned with yourselves. You and I will fail each other in various ways due to our residual depraved nature. Our confidence is not in any one of us. Our confidence is not in any one of us. Our confidence is in Christ and his word and his promises to us. Because here's the reality. I could get up here after a week like this in this congregation and really seek to rally people behind me. And I don't, that's not, that is not, it's tempting to try that, but I'm not worth following. I want you to rally behind Jesus. If I have time to have conversation with any one of you, there's one thing I'm going to call you to, and it is service to Jesus. It is giving your life to this word of God that remains forever. I'm calling you to join together with the true invisible and invincible church of Christ as we seek to kill our own sin as defined by Jesus and to treasure Christ as we endeavor to make his name known among all the nations, including Ringgold County. Why would we do this? Why would we submit ourselves to this battle cry of putting forward Christ? Because the word of our God stands forever. And having heard it and believed it, we've been born of this imperishable seed. Our lives are no longer our own. Our fleshly desires are no longer in the driver's seat of our lives. Jesus is. Our fleshly desires, our personal vendettas, our wants and wishes cannot sit in the driver's seat of our lives. Jesus must. Jesus must. And so, my friends, take heart. None of us matter all that much. <laughs> take heart. None of us matter all that much. But Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves his people. And he won't fail them. They will not fall. Therefore, what is most important is not defending ourselves or exalting ourselves. What is most important is pointing people to Jesus. Pointing people to a Savior who gave his life. That you could be forgiven of your sins. Reconciled to him escape the lake of fire and live with him for eternity in days of blessed joy. That is what is most important. Some people will get all caught up and we're all tempted to in the demand to be taken seriously. And it would be nice to be taken seriously. But it's not all that important, really. If you don't want to take me seriously, fine. You better take Jesus seriously. Take him seriously. Dismiss me all you want, but please don't dismiss Jesus and his word. Because we, the grass and the flower, we'll wither and fade, but his word, it will stand forever. My words, your words, are not infallible. They are not eternal. Jesus's are. And in fact, we look and see at this passage, what has done the work among the church that Peter is writing to? Who does Peter credit for moving in their lives. He doesn't say, well, thanks to pastor so-and-so that you're now all Christians loving Jesus or thanks to this evangelist who brought the message to you or whatever. What happened? They got upended. They got saved. They got called. They got born again by the word of God. 
by God and his unfailing word. It's not the pastor. It's not some evangelist. It's not even their own good decision making. They are born again by the living word of God, by the gospel. Commit yourself to Jesus and his work. Commit yourself to Jesus and his word. It will do its work. Will it always be in the way we want it to? I don't know anybody that can say that. But you cannot stop the commanding voice of God. Trust him. Take your marching orders from him and find your rest and comfort in him. Let's pray. My plea for us all, God, have, we pray every Sunday, your will be done. And yeah, that's, that's sort of praying that, God, we'd be obedient to your word. But it also is a confession. God, have your way among us. But God, I, I, I pray that with great, deep joy and confidence, knowing that you will work your purposes. You are the sovereign Lord of the universe. And what is not left to us is to try to manipulate and finagle and scheme and strategize to have our purposes accomplished. What is left for the faithful Christian is to be devoted to one purpose, and that is that the name of Jesus Christ would be heralded. There is good news for sinners. And I want this church, I want, I want the church of Jesus Christ, because God, I know it's your heart. I want us to be about the thing that matters most which is exalting the name of Jesus Christ, calling sinners to repentance and telling them there's good news. There's good news for the poor. There's good news for the downcast. There's good news for those who are poor in spirit. There's good news for the hungry, for they shall be satisfied. For those who hunger and thirst after, blessed, you say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. <laughs> oh, God. It is sweet. It is sweet to rest in your hands. I thank you that the grass withers and the flower fades. My life will fade and go away and Mount Air will not remember it. <laughs> and it is a privilege and a joy, God, to give our lives for something that will not fade away. And it is the joy that is to be found in Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in the days ahead, God. Build your church. Build your church as I know you will. And God, the prayer is, build it through us. Use me. May our lives be given to the devotion, devoted to you and your purposes and building your church for your glory, for the good of your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.